Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Today, we're going to go over the Detroit Lions 26-23 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Let's start off with the Detroit Lions. You know, the Lions had a lot better day on the offensive line. Matt Stafford had better pockets to throw in, and it showed. You know, they still weren't an offensive juggernaut, and they still got to Matt on a couple of occasions. Four sacks for 38 yards. But still, overall, it was a much better performance. It kind of makes me question a little bit the Arizona Cardinals just because Detroit had had some rough t- rougher times against other defenses. But it's an encouraging sign for the Detroit Lions overall to have that kind of play. You know, they were staring down 0-3 if they don't pull out this game. So this is a big win for them. I don't think a lot of people expected this win out of the Detroit Lions, so I'm excited for them. The offensive line isn't a perfect unit by any means, but at the same time, they are capable of opening up holes. It just takes vision to run behind this line. You can't necessarily just run exactly where the hole is going to be. You have to be able to make cuts and be able to make moves, and it really caters itself better to one of the runners than it does the rest of the runners for the Detroit Lions, and we'll get into that in a moment. But this line is absolutely capable when healthy of run blocking and of pass blocking. It's just not an elite unit. So you, if they do catch a defensive line, if they do catch a defense is able to get after them a little bit, that could be trouble. As far as the Arizona defense goes, they had had a lot better days coming into this game and just did not perform as expected. You know, Matt Stafford has peak fastball right now. He's one of the few quarterbacks I would put up there with Josh, with A-Rod, and of course with Patrick Mahomes as far as his arm goes. It's really helping him move past a lot of the secondary, and they're not expecting him to be able to make some of the throws he does. And it really helps move the Lions down the field. Really, there is a lot on Matt's shoulders, and he's been handling it well. He handled the Arizona Cardinals defense that had really been showing me something and I thought was a little friskier than they are. I'm not writing them off just because of one game, but at the same time, it was a gut check to see how they handled good quarterback play. And with Matty out there really dicing and moving it around, it was really an eye-opener for me to say, okay, but it's not necessarily a defense to target for production either. It's kind of in the middle. And uh, while I think they're probably going to have less vulnerable days, it does mean that we shouldn't necessarily shy away from our options when they play them. So I mentioned Matthew Stafford bending the field a bit with his arm. That certainly was the case today. You know, the 270 yards and two touchdowns, that's going to be where Matt derives all of his value. He's not a nothing with his legs, but he doesn't run proactively. It's more of a reactive thing. So really it's all going to be armed with Matthew Stafford, which does put him at the back end of the starting quarterbacks. But I do think with Matthew Stafford throwing fastballs with really a lot of the offense on his shoulders, there are going to be bigger production days for him than this. And when he's able to make open throws, when he's able to, and when he's able to have open throws schemed open by the offense, in addition to having separation with his receivers, that's going to mean good things for Matthew and his fantasy value. I think he's absolutely capable of sustaining what he's doing. He just needs to stay healthy. He absolutely looks healthy, and it shows in his throws. Every ball's coming out fast, and he seems like he has the right amount of touch to be able to do something with that. So I'm excited about Matthew Stafford as one of the top pocket passers at quarterback 
that just kind of hampers him from being a top five quarterback on a given week, typically just because they, even when he blows it out and throws 400 yards still, you know, he doesn't have the rushing yards to kind of push it into that next stratosphere. So we're definitely into Matthew Stafford as a quarterback one on the back end there. If you drafted him late, you're certainly happy with how this has developed, especially getting Kenny Galladay back. They needed his presence in the offense in the worst way. We'll get to him in a moment, but really he raises the tide for the whole offense. You know, there's not as many eyes on everybody else and allows everybody to kind of do what they need to do. And really, obviously, it's the biggest boon for Matthew Stafford to have Kenny G back in the lineup. So maybe I'm not targeting Matthew Stafford as my quarterback one, but if you have him, that's great. If you're getting him in a trade, you can live with that too. If he's your quarterback two, which is absolutely on the table, you're ecstatic. If you drafted from that same tier as as Matthew Stafford was on during draft time, you probably got two really good quarterbacks and you didn't have to outlay the capital that some people did to get Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, even though they're both great, you know, they can have off nights too, and they're not going to outscore their counterparts by enough to make it worthwhile to have drafted them in the second and third rounds. Typically when you can get someone like Matthew Stafford in the 11th round and, you know, draft running backs and wide receivers where the difference between the top end and the low end is entirely different and makes a bigger difference for your fantasy team overall. So I mentioned having Kenny Galladay back in the lineup, that was a big deal. He went out immediately and got seven targets, even though he didn't look like he was quite full strength yet. He was able to haul in six of those targets for 57 yards and got the touchdown. The touchdown was a beautiful representation of body control. He had to catch it, spin around to get his body in the end zone, and he did. He was able to get open today, even though it didn't look like he was quite 100% yet. It didn't matter, even against the Cardinals secondary, who has Patrick Peterson in there, although he didn't shadow Kenny G either. You know, he still caught a fair amount of Patrick Peterson. So it wasn't a shadow, but at the same time, Kenny did just fine no matter where he was at. It was exciting for me to see him come back and be Matthew Stafford's first option immediately. I wasn't sure that was going to happen. I was worried, you know, if you were starting him, that he could be somewhat of a decoy out there, but he wasn't. He was catching balls. He was making plays. And there's definitely bigger days for Kenny coming in the future with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball well and being healthy. So if you got him where you got him, probably in the third or fourth round, you're excited. Hopefully he's your second wide receiver. But if you went running back up front like you should have in the first two rounds, then Kenny G absolutely was on the table in the third and fourth round as your first wide receiver. I think you're going to be able to live with that. It's just they are bossier options to be your wide receiver one if you can get to them. I think what I might end up doing is trying to make the upgrade into one of the wide receiver ones to start the year that has underwhelmed and try to make the jump with Kenny G once he's got a little bit more production under his belt. However, that's not a move that I'm exactly running to make either because I think Kenny G is capable of producing in a big way for this offense. And uh, like I said, Matthew Stafford's arm is the truth. And when the truth is right, they're right, and they're able to do things for fantasy purposes because Matthew Stafford is not afraid to throw the ball down the field. And the good thing about the Detroit Lions is they realize that they need to do that, and that's how they're going to win. So they're going to do that. And it's exciting for Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay. Wasn't it as exciting of a day for Marvin Jones? The problem with Marvin Jones is that he's so up and down. You know, being the second option in the offense like this does that. When they don't have just a monster of the day, then he doesn't seem to produce. 
The other problem is he has great days. That's the problem you want, but it's way better to have him in a more of a best ball situation where you don't have to worry about starting him from week to week. You just get the blow up weeks. A lot of people are dealing with Marvin as their wide receiver two right now because of injuries and they're trying to upgrade. I think that's smart because I think the production is going to be so up and down and so unpredictable that it's going to make it hard to trust him. And while you may want to have him as a streamer and while you may want to have him for just such occasions when you have to start him, I think you're going to want to try and have a better wide receiver too than Marvin Jones or Flex. Now, like I said, he's going to make me look foolish on occasion. There was a week he scored four touchdowns last year. So he's going to have blow up weeks. It's just going to be hard to trust him from week to week. Um, but Maddie has the arm and he's going to get him downfield. There's going to be weeks where they focus on Kenny G and Hawkinson more and he's going to be open. It's just a question of how often is that? Speaking of Hawkinson, he had an up and down day as well. You know, he still got some yards and some receptions and he still looked explosive. Really, he got a, got a couple of targets in the end zone as well. If he'd have been able to haul in the a one-handed catch, he'd have had a really nice touchdown, just didn't quite get there. Hard to fault somebody for not making a one-handed catch. Still, I didn't like how they used Jesse James. They seem to think that Jesse James is a way superior run blocker, I guess. And so they're using him in the mold that, you know, they don't want you to know what they're doing and they're trying to get a little bit more juice running the ball. So Jesse James got some early run. But when they get down, when they know they need to pass the ball, and really they should be using him more anyway in the running game, they use Hawkinson. And I was just discouraged to see Jesse James vulture the touchdown from him because if you just combine Jesse James' stats with Hawkinson's stats, you're talking about a really good day for a tight end. So we'll see what they do with that going forward. But really, I still think Hawkinson is at the back end of the tight end one conversation. You know, with with all the different things that have gone wrong for some of those people that were in that range, I think you're not as excited as you are with John New Smith and some of the other ones, but I think you definitely have to roll with Hawkinson and maybe if he's your tight end two in a two tight end league or premium league, you're excited about that. But I don't think you can flex him at this point. And I think you're probably hoping that you have better options just because of some of the inconsistencies with the way they're using Jesse James. But like I said, you're probably having to start him and you're probably going to be okay a lot of the time. So don't shy away. He looks dynamic. I just hate the way they're bringing Jesse James in. He had the two red zone targets today already. So there'll be bigger things. It just needs to happen for him. And it just needs to not have his touchdown stolen by Jesse James. I'm very bitter. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to keep saying that. Speaking of bitter, let's talk about anybody that drafted DeAndre Swift. You know, he did not get a carry today, which is highly discouraging. I really thought they thought more of him. And he must just be smallish for the NFL or I just don't know what it is and why they're using him the way they're using him, but they're not. And uh, I think there's a couple of different reasons. Like I said, I guess they must think that he's not suited to carry the ball on an NFL level yet. And they're just using him more as a passing down back, which he got some run last week with that, but he didn't get as much this week. There wasn't as many targets for the running back this week. So that was the issue. And he's not going to carry flex value for anyone at this point. He's not as dominant as James White is in that mold. And he doesn't get carries like James White would as well at this point. So you can't really trust him in a flex mold, but he's a hold because it does seem like he would be the better running back than carry on Johnson. If Adrian Peterson were to go down. So he's definitely a hold and he definitely has talent. It's just a question of how they're using him at this time and how they're deploying him. You know, it's always a two-part equation. There's the talent part of it, which can be infinite. But if there's no opportunity on top of that talent, then the equation still equals zero in terms of fantasy value. 
So we'll need to see more from DeAndre Swift before we're really excited about his prospects. If you're, if you're dropping him, I understand why. If you, because there are some more exciting people out there and ex, more exciting bench stashes than the Lions running back situation, especially when I don't think that if Adrian Peterson went down, that DeAndre Swift would automatically get the carries. They would probably go to carry on Johnson in that time. But I think that would be a mistake. Carry on is not a fit for this running style. He does not have the vision to run behind this line. It takes a good amount of vision to see the cutbacks and to be able to make the jump cuts that are necessary to be able to make something out of this running game. You know, they have to back off a little bit because of Matt Stafford, but still when there aren't dominant run blocking holes to run through, Adrian Peterson is capable of making something of that and capable of taking those runs to the house. Sometimes he still has the burst to do so. Carry on does not have the vision to do so. He just runs and takes whatever is given to him. He's a much better fit for a one cut scheme than he is this scheme. Because if he's just able to run and get down the field and then make a cut, then he's good. But if he's asked to make reads and find the hole, he is not good. That's where Adrian Peterson shines, and that's why Detroit should thank their lucky stars that they were able to sign Adrian Peterson. Otherwise, they'd be rolling up with Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift only, and they'd absolutely be in trouble with this line. And they've seen it before, and that's why they drafted DeAndre Swift, and that's why they brought in Adrian Peterson, because Carrion Johnson is not a fit for this offense. And while he has produced in the past, that was only what was given to him by the line, and this line is not dominant enough to block for him. This is not the 49ers. If he was on the 49ers, maybe he could turn that into something. But you know what? There's a lot of backs that could turn the 49ers into something. He's just better suited for that one-cut style. He's not, he doesn't have the ability to jump cut like Adrian Peterson still does and be able to make something out of nothing. And that's why Adrian Peterson got the two, 22 carries today. He might have only had the 75 yards, but carry on would have gotten those two, 22 carries, and he would have had 50 to 20 yards because he's just not the same. He's not as good, and they realized that today. And so if you were able to get in on Adrian Peterson, kudos, because he will have flex value for you this year. Now, the only issue is he is a little bit more game script dependent than some because they don't use him as much in the passing game. He's not as big a plus in the passing game as some of the flex options can be. But I definitely think in a pinch he's gonna be, you're going to be able to start him. I think he's going to be somebody that you could trade as a running back value. You know, if you're desperate, absolutely, and you can get him on the cheap, I would be into that. He hasn't had the chance to show it yet. He just hasn't had the goal line opportunities to have the big day. But he absolutely is their best running back. They know it. And at this time, he's definitely the one I would want to own in this backfield. Absolutely no doubt. So you're trying to get Adrian Peterson if you can. But I don't know how fast I'm running because, I mean, it's not a situation where he's going to be your number one running back. So it's probably more likely that you picked him up and you're just happy to have the value. Certainly he's going to have value going forward, and they know he's their best back. So hopefully the days of them leading off the drives with carry on running straight into the back of the line are over, and they can actually do something with Adrian Peterson. So certainly everything's a little bit more positive after a win. We like Kenny G. We like Adrian Peterson and Maddie where they are. You know, we're not touting them as they're going to be the best at their positions, but they're certainly going to be values and they're certainly going to be startable going forward. So we want to look at that. You know, Detroit has a much tougher defensive matchup in the Saints. You know, Saints had a tough week against Green Bay, so they'll look to get right. The Saints do match up a little bit better with the Lions than I, I think Arizona does. I think at this point in time, even with Patrick Peterson, I think the Saints are a little bit stronger in the secondary. 
we'll see. The Saints kind of shook my faith a little bit in that last game, so we'll see what the Lions are able to do with that. I don't think I'd be shying away if I'm having to start Adrian Peterson, Maddie, or Kenny G with where I got them. So I'm on board. Let's switch to the other side. Let's move over to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, I said before, you know, Cliff's scheming makes up for a lot of the woes of the offensive line. Same thing with Kyler's legs. It takes a lot of the woes, you know, the pass blocking mistakes, the lack of power run blocking, and it kind of papers over them because the scheme is better and because Kyler's able to get away from the sacks. I foresee this being something that Cliff invests in in the future. It's not that he hasn't tried. It just hasn't really worked out quite yet. But at the same time, I don't think this unit is the same dumpster fire that it has been in the past, which makes me bullish on the Arizona offense overall, even though they struggled with Detroit a little bit today. Detroit is much improved on defense with Jeffrey Okuda out there. Now, Okuda did get eaten up by Andre Hopkins a little bit, Especially, you know, just Andre kind of breaking him off in the intermediate game, threatening to go deep and then breaking it off. Arizona moved the ball a great deal with that, especially in the second half. Akuda made a couple of good plays and seemed to flash. And while rookies are going to be up and down, he absolutely gives them a lot more juice than Desmond Trufant would have. And when you're able to get both of them back, I think that'll be a big deal for them. It just seemed like a different defense with having Okuda on the field and, and him taking DeAndre Hopkins. Even though Hopkins, had spoiler alert, had a great day, Okuda made the pick. Okuda had a couple of different plays that I, I really liked, including this one play where he comes all the way across the field to tackle his guy on the other side of the field. It was a beautiful play that I took a video of. It was a very encouraging performance despite him getting lit up by DeAndre Short a little bit. And really, Cliff does a great job of scheming DeAndre open, so I can't put all of those on Okuda. And it wasn't like he was shadowing him either. It's just a lot of times I saw where DeAndre was able to bait him deep and then come back and catch the ball, and they were using that a lot. So while I'm super encouraged by the way the Lions defense played, they're definitely going to have some growing pains, so it's not like I'm shying away from anybody that's playing the Lions. But at the same time, they definitely looked improved today. Get this, having your top five pick that you drafted on for your defense makes your defense looks, look better. Hmm, it's a crazy concept, right? Well, I don't think that the Detroit defense is a dominant unit by any means. They were improved. Still doesn't mean that they aren't capable of giving up fantasy value to the people that play them. You know, it was a tougher day for Kyler Murray, even though he was still able to produce. That's part of being able to run the ball is that, A, you get the 29 yards, and, B, you're able to get a really sick touchdown where where you juke one person and outrun the other one on the same play. It was a beautiful fake on the rushing touchdown as well. Cliff, it was called. Cliff does a great job of scheming these different things. It's really cool to see Cliff with a running quarterback, too, and see him scheme running plays with the quarterback. I'm excited about that upside for Kyler Murray, despite the interceptions today. They're running more with Kyler still, and it's very encouraging. He seems to be more willing to tuck the ball and run, too, and uh, even take a little bit more of a hit, even though he's amazing at getting out of the way of those hits and not you know, putting his frame in jeopardy. You know, even though he's smallish, he's still very stout. I don't have as big a concern as I did last year with that. I've, I've kind of learned to deal with it like because he, he is so good at avoiding stuff. So I'm, I'm on board with Kyler. You don't let the three interceptions get to you. I will say that it does seem like he needs to get better throwing the ball over the middle. If it's not wide-ass open, it seemed like he was airmailing it a bit. 
And I think that's probably a function of just not being as tall as some of the other quarterbacks. And that's going to be something that maybe gets attacked overall. Maybe they really cover the outside and force them to go inside. But you know what? When they did that, Cliff brought DeAndre inside, got him open. But once they kind of went to that, Cliff schemed something open inside for DeAndre, and they took advantage there too. So hopefully Cliff's more aware as a play caller for Kyler's sake. It's not like he was bad last year. It's just, you know, coaches grow and they get better. They get more experience. And Cliff just didn't have a whole lot of experience calling plays on the NFL level. Of course, he's been calling plays on the college level for some time. So that really gives him a leg up. So don't read too much into the interceptions. One of them was tipped, and then he just tried to force the ball kind of on the on intermediate passes. And Okuda jumped in front of one of them for a really nice play, and then one of them was a bad throw. So you have to give the Detroit Lions defense credit for that, and you have to give Kyler Murray you know, bad marks for those interceptions. I don't see that being a thing where he was falling apart, and I don't see that uh, being a reoccurring thing. It's just he needs to get a little bit better at throwing the ball over the middle. So Kyler had the 270 yards and the two touchdowns. That's enough to sustain a couple of wide receivers today. You know, interestingly enough, obviously DeAndre Hopkins was one of them. You know, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 137 yards. He, did, he might just be the number one receiver at this point as far as season-long value. You likely got him in the second or third round, so you didn't have to take him with the first rounder, so you probably still got a running back or two before you picked him. Hopefully it was a third-round pick and you already had your two running backs, and now you have DeAndre Hopkins as your number one receiver. I feel like that's going to be a configuration that we see a lot in the playoffs and in the championships. You know, they haven't really even hit a deep pass yet. It's all been the intermediate stuff. People have just been respecting him in the deep game because they know Kyler can throw it deep, and they know that he can catch it. So he's just been breaking people off and and running after the catch so far. Cliff has done a great job of scheming him open as well. I call it using him as the crab tree. You know, it's the only time that uh, offense like that really had a dominant receiver in my Texas Tech years. And Cliff is doing so. He's moving him around, not letting the defense key in on him. And it's leading to big numbers. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So if I'm absolutely buying DeAndre Hopkins at his ceiling at this time, because he's definitely at it, but I think he can continue this. So I'm on board with DeAndre. You know, there may be lesser days than this. They might have to force it to him as much as they did today, but they also might catch him on a deep ball too because he's showing a lot more burst than he had last year. I mean, he wasn't terrible last year, but he just has an extra step, it feels like. Maybe being motivated and being healthy really is working for him. When I said that they were capable of sustaining two receiving options, you have to think that it wasn't Andy Isabella as the second one, but today it was. You know, it wasn't a usage thing for Andy. He did just happen to be open on the two touchdowns. So I don't think that's something that's sustainable as a wide receiver two value. However, he did play a lot better. He has been playing a lot better, and he's out on the field more. And I think he's going to be a good option for Kyler going forward. So if you got him in a best ball, you're probably a little bit more excited about that because he was probably damn near free. He seems to have a certain moxie to him, and he seems to know what he's doing out there. So I liked, the, I liked that. I just want to be cautious that you're not trying to think he's going to score a couple of touchdowns every week. Um, but still, he has something there. Christian Kirk was out, and he ended up getting a little bit more. So out of all the other options that could have come up and stepped up, he stepped up. 
So if you have a deeper league, if you have a deeper bench, that's something I'd be interested in. Having weapons that Cliff and Kyler are behind is something that is going to create value for wide receivers for years to come. We'll see if Andy can be the first. He's probably on the waiver wire right now. I don't think I'd be running and sprinting or blowing any fab budgets for him, but I think if I had an empty spot and there wasn't much else at wide receiver, I think that's something I'd look at in the deeper cuts here. Really, that's the only other passing game option that I'm really looking at. Larry had a really off day, but that's not something that we were talking about in the first place as a, as a really good option. You know, he's still got the name and he's still a Hall of Famer, but just week to week, he's not going to be a starting option. So I don't see a lot of value there. I'm more interested in how the running backs caught the ball today. There wasn't a ton of targets for the running backs, but they still caught a couple of balls. It seemed like Chase Edmonds was used a little bit more in the passing game. He he had a really nice catch going across the field, and they like him. He's fast, and you can tell he might be a little faster than Kenyon Drake, but he might be a little less explosive because he's not as powerful. Kenyon Drake's a little bit more mix of power and speed than Chase Edmonds is just a little bit more speed. Kenyon Drake is absolutely still the running back one for this team. He's the first option, and – because they don't run the ball as dominantly as other teams do, you know, there's really only room for one in the carrying department. They're not going to overwork Kenyon by giving him all the carries necessarily for them. So 18 carries for 73 yards might not seem like much, but with him dominating those carries, Chase Edmonds only really getting the three, only really getting the three targets for two catches. It's not something I'm worried about for Kenyon Drake. And I think I definitely can endorse Kenyon Drake as a buy low candidate just because he's going to get the carries. He he was able to get more downhill this week and it showed that he still has the burst. He still has what he had last year. He's just been extremely unlucky and the play calls haven't gone his way yet. And the pendulum will swing back on that. And I think Kenyon Drake is capable and has the talent to take advantage. So it's absolutely someone I'm targeting as a as a running back target, hopefully somebody's got him as their second running back and you can kind of buy a low right now, get in on Kenyon Drake, because I definitely think there's bigger days for him going forward. And while he's still going to have to play San Francisco, while he's still going to have to play Seattle, et cetera, those defenses aren't what they were. I think he'll still be able to produce. And I still think this offense is going to give him goal line carries. It's just that he hasn't gotten those yet. And it just the game script just hasn't worked that way. So I'm endorsing Kenyon Drake. He looks like he has it on film. And while it hasn't led to the production we would like to see out of a first or second round pick yet, I think we will see that. So I think as long as you can afford to hold, you're holding. Or if you can buy, if you can buy low on someone that's ready to panic, I'm definitely on board with that. You know, neither one of these defenses are particularly strong, but they're not pushovers either. So I'm encouraged by all the different offensive performances I saw by the top options. That's why it seems like I think they're, they're, everybody I talked about was biased today. But at the same time, they're going to have tougher matchups, just not next week for the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals have the Panthers. So this window I'm talking about with Kenyon Drake, the window I'm talking about buying low on some of these Cardinals options may be closing after this because they're going to get loose on the Panthers and it's going to be dirty. That's all I've got for these teams. I hope the information was timely and useful, and I hope you're able to take it out there and win your leagues. Please uh, listen and subscribe to all the other podcasts, and have a great rest of your day.